Hello everyone, welcome back to the Formula Podcast. This has been a while, but uh, my name's Paul Hadsley. Alongside me here is Andrew Miller. Hello. Hello Miller, as you will be referred to from now on. It's been a, it has been a while though, hasn't it? Has it? We've been trying to sit here and work out how long it's quite been. I think it was the end of the 2015 season. I thought you were going to say the 20th century then for a second. <laughs> yes, but the end of the 2015 Formula One season, because we, are, we were, and hopefully will be again, a podcast that talks about Formula One in the pub, which is our unique raison d'etre, to start off with some pretentious description. Or USP. USP! Yes, I started saying unique and then just decided to veer into France. What the Formula One will be doing again this year. Hey, hey, that's our first thing. That's very true. Thanks. But yes, yeah, so we used to have a group of people, a passionate Formula One fans, gathered in a pub while the races were live, which was the main element of uniqueness. And we'd preview it, which preview the race before it happened, which was a bit stupid, because obviously the podcast wasn't released until well after the race, so you could laugh at our terrible predictions and then we'd react to the race afterwards and this is our rallying cry yes this is our intro cast which has been intro cast I yeah. love it but we kind of already are a podcast our re-intro cast it's like a spaceship trying to come back to Earth we are re-entering the podcast world and hopefully all the people out there that used to come that used to listen will be reignited re-inspired and will come back to a venue in Birmingham in England uh, to watch a Grand Prix with us and then we can have a lovely podcast once again now you've said that I really want to do a podcast from Birmingham, Alabama wow. watching the F1 Blomcast you can carry on going like Dave Gorman we're going Gorman. to support <laughs> you can go around to all the Birminghams of the world and watch Formula 1 there there's about three in America and I think that's it moving on so what we're hoping for this podcast to be we're not going to compete with the data driven factual uh, analysis the very excellent podcasts out there in the world well speak for yourself well, I am data driven Miller may have friend. made notes on some <laughs> bits of paper but uh, we hopefully we're going to have a good time we'll have some fun maybe we'll make some jokes allegedly they may be humorous we'll, we will see it's hard with Formula 1 to make jokes sometimes yeah. though I know. It really is. In my dreams, so bear with us, we are trying. Yeah, in my dreams, we'd be the fantasy football of Formula One. I say fantasy football of Formula One, I do mean the 90s dated show with Frank Skinner about comedy about football, not just various fantasy football leagues that you're probably in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So, how has the Formula One landscape changed since the end of 2015 when we last broadcast? Well, Nico Rosberg's champion. <laughs> yes. Uh, I wouldn't honestly have bet on that. But. I'm sort of very thankful for Nico's time in Formula 1 because otherwise it would have been very Michael Schumacher 2002-2004 one-sided dominant championships for Mercedes but because Nico Rosberg was there challenging Lewis those championships were worth watching in my view Yeah, it was a bit strange because Nico doesn't seem like the kind of driver who has the, the pace of Lewis Hamilton but what Nico appeared to have over Lewis Hamilton in that season was the mental capacity yeah. more than Lewis Hamilton because Lewis Hamilton it was, it was something that Louis, uh, Nico actually said at the start of the season for Sebastian Vettel is you've got to take uh, advantage of Lewis's off moments yes. because that's where you'll make the ground but for now uh, Nico Rosberg is our mortal enemy because he is on the campaign to say no to full pints of beer and every time I walk through various shopping centres I see full huge advertising 
with Nico Rosberg on it saying no 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 don't drink a full when a full pint of no, beer is poured for you you must refuse it not before pouring that's... after after it's been poured no 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 full pint of beer for me I'm fine with that though usually because when I buy a pint for somebody and they say no yeah. I've got two pints nice so you're drinking all Nico Rosberg's beer yeah yeah. it's great Nico is a great guy to go out with <laughs> you get hammered he, he... and he drives you home <laughs> <Too> so <bad. laughs> And Formula E, yes. uh, it's as a little sub, like sidestep, yes. is uh, coming to Birmingham. We hope so. It's sort of sixty With to seventy percent massa. Yeah, sixty to seventy percent confirmed. There's lots of former Formula One drivers in Formula E. Heidfeld, uh, all the others. Wemmy, Wemmy, he's oh, don't start on him. He's a Le Mans winner now as well. Isn't yeah, he? he's so. more like the pantomime villain of Formula E. So he was kind of nondescript in Formula One, but he's definitely living up to his Manta hate role in Formula E. And we probably will cover Formula E in separate podcasts. I hope. I think so. I think uh, Formula E. Well, it's had three or four, so four or yes. five seasons yes. now. Um, so it's starting to get there. I mean, I watched the very first few Formula E races yeah. and. I haven't been back much, I will be honest. You'll be back when they're in your city. But I, it's not just that, I think the sport is starting to evolve in ways that are good. Yes, that is true. The car's going to be faster and there's going to be less pit swapping, or car swapping in the pit, should I say. And that's what's good about it. Also, it is the future. Formula One has to get on board eventually. Well, you, you wonder how long we're going to be doing this podcast as a Formula One podcast <laughs> and how, what, when the changeover period yeah. is going to be that Formula E is going to take over yeah. because it's going to take over eventually. Yeah. It's basically the FIA hedging their bets. It's like, we'll keep Formula One or Formula E will take off and eventually either way we're covered. It's like a pit stop strategy. But they've got the undercut with Formula E. It's okay. I'm sure they've worked out how to make it just as convoluted as the main <laughs> thing. So. Yeah. Oh, well, but uh, that's for another time. We'll stick to Formula 1 for now so yes it has been a couple of years it feels good though to finally get back on the horse uh, let's focus on the Formula 1 season that we are enjoying currently in 2018 2018 2018 space year 2018 the first race wasn't anything to write home about so I'm not going to say anything about it it was basically virtual safety car decided wasn't it Lewis was winning then the virtual safety car came out then Vettel was winning even well, though he was third and actually losing to Kimi you say that uh, the first race was safety car decided but uh, that's that's a that's a tough statement to make because I think most of the races ah. so far this season have been safety car decided. You've ruined my They've running joke. Just been a little bit better than <laughs> Australia, where what we did we have five passes if we uh, were lucky. Yeah, I, um, I think it leads to a bit of a call for a shake up to the start of the season, and a lot of people like traditionalism, and a lot of people like to see Australia as the start. Yeah, personally, with how the Grand Prix have been, it was once the first race of the season. I hate to say it, I'd probably put Bahrain as the first race of the season now, uh, under the lights. I'm I think the one problem you're going to have with that is I do think that Abu Dhabi have veto <laughs> over yeah. uh, Bahrain having the first race of the season. So I don't think it's going to happen, but I do think that F1 needs to shake it up when it comes to the first race, because Australia has been poor for years. Well, I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that if, a, if they put on boring races, it's not the track's fault, it's the cars. So just change the cars, because some of the races in 2012, that was a great race. I've been looking, so this is my problem. Uh, you'll probably find this as we go through these podcasts. I have, and I've probably shown you, Miller, access to a classic stream that constantly shows it old is, races, and I'm not going to tell. I'm not really going to tell you about it because I worry that if I talk about it publicly, 
you know, Liberty will find it and shut it down. But you can actually look back on all the old races and, and not just have the rose tinted glasses, you know, you can now have the truth of the fact that some races were better than you remember, some races were worse than you remember. So, Australia in about 2012, 2013, 2014 wasn't very good because everyone broke down, but. No, those are the, in the good low years when everybody <laughs> breaks down. That's what you want to see. In the low downforce era, it was quite good, and then they raised the downforce again, and it became bad. So, it's the cars that are the problem, not the tracks. Ah, uh, that's I, I'd, I'd throw that back at you, but Go that's on. for another time. Oh, right. That's for the main podcast. Well, we've we've recently had a rule change, haven't yes. we? That's going to be enforced in the 2019 season, which is the streamlining of downforce essentially to yes. stop the dirty air now this is the conversation that we had before is that to make F1 interesting is very much like setting up an F1 car you have to make compromises you yeah. can't have all the downforce and all the speed no. it doesn't work like that yeah. and unfortunately I don't think that this low da- this this streamlined downforce thing is really going it's to work because it just means all the fast cars will just go off into the distance well, that always happens in Formula 1 anyway, but I'm the fir- I'm, old, I'm old school. More so. I mean, I'm old school in that I am a firm enemy of downforce. I do believe proper racing cars should be completely as little wing as possible and a challenge for the drivers. The driver should be sliding around like Jules Villeneuve in the 80s. Uh, every time you put on the throttle, the rear end kicks out and there's oversteer. Um, I've seen this in many championships, and if you really want an example of this, Miller, here's, a, here's what you should do. Watch an IndyCar race this year, because they have consummately slashed their amount of downforce in the new aero package they're running this year. And even the races in IndyCar, and even the practice sessions, all of their on-track entertainment has been so much more exciting because of 80% loss of downforce. And the downforce that they do have comes from the under-tunnel, the underwing, shall I say, Venturi tunnels. So it's ground effect, basically. So the cars can follow closely, they are a handful for the driver to drive, and they can overtake. And pre- like they start their se- season in a similar way to Australia, in St. Petersburg in America, a street track where usually there's no passing. This year, there is lots of passing. Okay. Slash downforce, that's our campaign. Campaign number one, hashtag slash downforce. I won't disagree, but I, I think F1 has a lot of questions along these lines to ask itself. The product itself, it's doing all right, I believe that the the conventional European season. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be much right to, to write home about this year because no. those tra- Herm is it Herman Tilk? He yeah. is an absolute like he's he's a legend at foresight mm. because those tracks <laughs> when they came in were the worst on the calendar. Yeah. And now the tracks that no. he designed are actually the best on the calendar. Maybe it's a conspiracy. They increase the downforce because he's charging money or something I don't know well we've made all these tracks we need to make them halfway decent true basically he knows if you put a two mile long straight on a track probably people can overtake but saying that even in China they didn't do that well before the safety car but uh, having said that I mean 2015 the last season we were broadcasting uh, if if you folks remember (laughs) um, we were talking about I was certainly talking about my favourite race of that season being Hungaro Ring yes and I don't what Hungaro Ring is probably one of the ones that I'm going to say is going to be one of the worst races yeah. this season. Yeah. But you never know what might happen. And that is why we watch Formula One. Anything can happen, and it usually... Oh, trademark, sorry, someone else said that. Um, yeah, so let's... To be fair, that's one of a... And I'm not criticising anyone here, but that's one of the problems with most Formula One podcasts, focusing on the negatives. 
Uh, why don't we focus on the positives and talk about things we are enjoying about Formula One? Can and there's quite a lot this year. Can we talk about one thing I would like to see first? Go on. I would like to see Max Verstappen and Pastor Maldonado <laughs> go at it for a f- five to ten lap race. I mean, it does. We don't even need to put it on a circuit. We could just do it in a car park. It'd be fine. <laughs> and Grosjean, the way it's going. Yeah, just in puntos. The weird thing was before even, puntos. Even before Maldonado, Grosjean was the danger man. When we were in 2012, 2013, everyone was like, "Oh, Grosjean again! He yeah. crashed its spine." The uh, first lap nut job was yeah. the Mark uh, Webber described him as. And I think Monaco one year he crashed about eight times through practice, qualifying in the race. I think he's going back if that way. If Monaco, anybody can crash eight times at Monaco. I hate the circuit. So one thing that we should point out on this Formula One podcast is <laughs> I will talk from an, a point of experience uh, in that I like to play sim racing games. Oh, yeah. So I have no experience. So if ever it sounds like I'm actually saying this track's really difficult, <laughs> it is difficult on a game. Oh, <laughs> at least you're honest about your not knowing things, but... Uh, yeah, Grosjean is not the most dangerous driver on the track at the moment. Do you want to know who is? It's Marcus Ericsson. It's isn't Marcus it? Ericsson. Yeah, absolutely. He can he can hit people and no one even knows. With uh with a mind bullet. <laughs> I think that's that, telekinesis, Roman. I think that's the secret reason. How about the power to move you into I the wall. I haven't got a music license, can you not? But I think that's the secret reason Grosjean st- stood on the throttle in the crash at Spain. He was hiding Ericsson's involvement. He actually hit the well, as, as soon as I saw that it was Grosjean, I yeah. was looking for the for Ericsson on the replays. Yeah. Basically, Ericsson's managed to damage a lot of cars and not damage his own car once. He's just the, the mean stealth bomber of the, the grid. Do we ever think that Marcus Ericsson's going to get anywhere, though? Well, he could be a banger driver. He'd just be immaculate. Do you think if you became a world championship contender at like Mercedes, do you think they'd still insist on having the pay driver? Because you don't see many pay drivers at the top teams. Though, yeah, do you? it'd be awkward if you have to refund them when they've given their victory money. Oh, well, that's a bit Guido van der Gaard, isn't it, with <laughs> refunds and contracts and all yeah. that kind of thing. Still so. Maldonado's the most successful pay driver because he did win and he would have got some prize money. What are you talking about? Mal- Maldonado is, he is amazing. Yeah. Why he is not on the grid is just down to, it's just people being too conservative. I think a regular feature for the podcast can be Maldonado watch, or keep an eye on what he's up to, and also his nephew, I think, is racing in British F3, so we can keep an eye on what he's up to I, and how I, he's getting to the grid. I think that the, uh, speaking of this season, Go again, on to, Go on. sorry to divert yeah. back onto where we are, Maldonado watch. but Coming I think... The Azerbaijan lived up to Pastor Maldonado's yeah. expectations, definitely. Not, not all the way through, but towards the end, oh, my goodness. It was fantastic. A question I would like to ask you, Paul Hadsley, of the F1 podcast. Hello. Do you feel sorry for Valtteri Bottas this season? Um, not just Azerbaijan, but this season in general. He's definitely stepped up his game. I think he's more comfortable in, in Mercedes now. But um, I'm still a little bit worried about Bottas, why he didn't overtake in at the end of That's the, that, that is the point that I'm trying to make. If you think Lewis was behind Vettel, or if it was Ricciardo behind Vettel, or Max definitely behind Vettel, they would have made the move, they would have made a lunge, they would have made it happen. You just, well, at least maybe Vettel would have been intimidated having those drivers, but Bottas didn't seem to want to. So you're saying if Vettel was coming up to Vettel, Vettel would Vettel have gone would have for Vettel. Vettel. Yeah, Vettel definitely would have passed Vettel. <laughs> He'd have gone for it. Yeah. He'd have locked up his brakes, but yeah. he'd have gone for it. Yeah, there's two types of drivers in Formula 1, and I always respect the triers. People who try and overtake, even if it ends in a crash, and we'll probably talk about Max in a minute, but 
those who try to overtake are more likely to have incidents because at least they're trying. Those who never try are always going to finish second. There's people that or overtake, like, um, people that wait for the pit is stop. Is it Max Chilton who set the record for finishing oh, yeah. his entire rookie season? <laughs> but if you're going to finish your entire rookie season in 24, that of a 24-car yeah. grid yeah. that year, oh my, do you remember when we used to have that? Oh. Anyway, um, yeah, what's the point? Yeah. Literally, Max, what was the point? Get in touch. I don't think you're up to much he's, these days, are you? Yeah. He's racing IndyCar doing the same similar thing. <laughs> I just think other drivers, Lewis, Max, and, and definitely Ricciardo. Ricciardo would have licked a stamp, and he would have not. He licked it. He would have posted it. He would have sent it. He'd have booked it. He'd have packed it. He'd have brought it home. You again. keep making this joke about li Danny Ricciardo licking stamps. Yeah. Now I finally get it because oh. you sent it over the text a, a few <laughs> weeks ago, and I was like. I don't get that, oh. but I didn't call you up on it, oh, right. but now it's been explained. Yeah, so, he said it. Licking stamps, that's how Danny Rick's lip and got done. Yes, it was his saying when he won, basically. Sometimes you've got to lick the stamp and send it. But Daniel Ricciardo has to be very careful because Formula One itself has trademarked the shoey. They've actually gone to the courts yeah, and trademarked it. So that seems a little... Daniel Ricciardo, or in this case mainly most of Australia, came up with a thing. Formula One has tried to trademark it for their own end. So if he's licking the stamp and sending it, Formula One will be in the courts next week trying to trademark stamps. Where's he uh, licking the stamp and sending his, next, his contract next year? Ah, that's a good segue. But also, just realise it does make sense as a send. You lick the stamp and then you attach it to an envelope and send it. You don't just lick a stamp and put it in a post box. Have a little think about that, Danny. Yeah, Danny. So yes. Uh, he already is has a pre-contract with Ferrari. But is Does that, he? Yeah. Is it? Is that true? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> he licked a stamp. The stamp fell off. The contract is now void. His contract has been terminated. That's very clear. No. Well, um, if I was Danny Ricciardo, I'd want out. Yes. Uh, that team is built around uh, Crash Verstappen. Uh, sorry, Max Verstappen. That's funny. Next season, it's going to be a Honda engine. Because yeah. Renault, Renault wants out. But there's a saying about a frying pan and a fire, but do you want to leave Red Bull and just run number two to Vettel? Hell yeah. Well, no, well, hold on. <laughs> Have a think about that. Is Vettel a, a, a question that probably everybody listening to this podcast knows? Is Vettel actually contracting to Ferrari for next season? Yes. Right. There we go then. I'd have at least a gardening year and wait till Vettel leaves because I'm not doing the Kimmy. Kimmy's well, happy being Kimmy, but I don't think anyone else would. The be. thing is, though, is that you remember when Danny Ricciardo got promoted to Red Bull? Yeah. And do you remember how well he did against Sebastian Vettel? Yeah. In that he beat him hands down. Do you remember the point that in the same car? Do you remember the point that he was allowed to beat him and wasn't given a dodgy pit stop or worse strategy? I don't think Danny Rick would move for that. I think, yeah. although it's a big philosophy change for Ferrari, yeah. I think it's the only chance they've got. Although it is a bit strange them just, oh, we're just going to have the 2014 Red Bull driver line up here. That's fine. <laughs> or Kimi will just carry on forever. Kimi cannot be stopped. So we don't know. It's a tricky one. Obviously angry for Mercedes seat, but he's using it a pre-contract with Ferrari, the same way that Max got a Red Bull driver set up Mercedes test drive. The thing is, do you want to drive the Diva? Yeah, that's the problem. It's that Mercedes car doesn't look ever as good as it has been. No. But the next question oh, in question. my interview to you, Paul Hadsley. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Is Sebastian Vettel good enough to be a five-time world champion? I mean, this goes back to the Nico Rosberg thing. If you win a championship, surely you're good enough. I don't really believe there's any bad world champions out there. People like to throw names like Jack Villeneuve and Damon Hill around. But they still beat whatever was put in front of them, and that's hard to do. And even if you're the Damon Hill who's had, or Jack Villeneuve, especially Damon Hill, actually, who had an easy championship. But people don't seem to realise there's two elements. It's not just two elements that aren't just driving. There is the negotiating table, which Alonso falls foul of, Otherwise, he'd be a multiple and, multiple and Lewis Hamilton definitely Def- fell. Um, yeah, he did very the well. opposite of. <laughs> but there's also development and testing. You've got to make these cars as good. These cars aren't good just by themselves. You need a test driver to feed back. Damon Hill was basically co-champion with Nigel Mansell and Adam Press because he did all the development work for those cars. Lewis so, Hamilton did a lot of development work for Mercedes. And did Vettel do the same in Red Bull? Yes. So, so yes, just, he deserves it. To simplify this, because we're in a pub and <laughs> I, I, I am drinking beer. Yes. To simplify your point, yeah. Vettel, I don't think is good enough. Oh, you're, 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 that's, that's your, my opinion. Okay. You look at and this, this is from a massive Ferrari fan. I mean, the well, that's from a, Ferrari. that is on the wane. You're not massive. Uh, I apologise for calling you massive. After uh, last season... I mean, I, I am. I will call myself a fan of certain teams, but yeah. I'm a fan of Formula One. I'm a yeah. fan of all the teams on the grid, yeah. just at differing levels. And the last few years, I think it was Alonso at Ferrari. That combination for me was beautiful. Vettel in the Ferrari for me, not so much because it's just not as good. Yeah. Case in point, I would make would be the restart in Azerbaijan. He wasn't thinking about, okay, well, my main title rival is still Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. I'm second place at the moment. Oh, let's try, a, let's try and throw it up the inside of Valtteri Bottas when I'm 15 miles away. You look at China, the start of China, when he cuts across Kimi Raikkonen, who starts in second, and then Kimi Raikkonen falls down to fifth because he's been cut off by Vettel, and then Vettel ends up not winning the race. If Kimi Raikkonen is getting ahead of you at the first corner, let him do it because you're getting that position back. Yeah, yeah it's racecraft. I think oh, racecraft and smarts. Yeah. I think Vettel's yeah. down on all of it. Yeah. Mexico last season when he was trying to battle with uh, Lewis Hamilton, yeah. we saw a collision, and then we saw Lewis Hamilton battling with the likes of Fernando Alonso later in the race, and it was a beautiful thing to see that battle. Yeah, we knew how it was going to end up because it was a McLaren versus a Mercedes, not the combination, because yep. you know that combination was a winning combination, but a McLaren versus a Mercedes, you know which way that's going to go. Yeah. Even this season now, you know which way that's going to go. That, that goes back to what we said about Nico Rosberg, or various other drivers. There are two dro- types of drivers in Formula 1, those with race craft, and those with strategy craft, head versus heart, or feeling, or whatever. But is that strategy craft ever down to the driver? Is that down to the engineer? You've got to put the laps out. If you do, even if you're doing strategy, you've got to wait for your opponent to pit and then give the blast laps for the undercut. So there's different types of drivers. Some can overtake and some can just wait for the pit stops. Don't get me wrong, one thing I will give Sebastian Vettel a lot of credit for this season was his drive in Bahrain. Yeah. We are criticising Bottas for not going for the overtake, yeah. but the way he handled those tyres to switch strategies like that, yeah. that was quite masterful because as he said himself, these tyres are <laughs> done. 
and they must have been way over the cliff because he, I think he'd done about 10 laps over what Pirelli had even said they could yeah. do. So that's almost miraculous. He's like Bottas in the in the Spain as well. Apparently, his La Spain, La Spain, <laughs> or not, or the Spanish Grand Prix as it was painted on the ground. Should have led with that, that was one. Well, to be honest, let's just, let's just skip to the end now because uh, we're coming towards the end of the podcast. It's been half an hour. I just want to talk about the future instead of the past. Monaco is going to be uh, well. Ericsson's on the grid, isn't it? Yeah. Ericsson and Grosjean. Uh, what other reasons to watch Monaco? Uh, Sorry, dead air's a crime, isn't yeah, it? So yeah, um, qualifying. Yeah, that'll be all right. Yeah. Um, no, it, it, it's Monaco, isn't it? It can go either yeah. one or two ways. It can be one of the best races of the calendar, yeah. or it can be an absolutely atrocious race. Remember Lewis Hamilton's 2008 win when he um, no. whacked his front wing in the that front? In the wet, yeah, yeah. He whacked his front wing on the first lap, ended up having to go in for a pit stop on the first lap, and ended up winning the race. I think it was a tyre, but yes. You know what, it can be either the best or the worst. It depends when the crashes come, or if they come. Max Verstappen's racing and he's gonna he's gonna do stuff. Yeah, there will be a safety car and someone if this happens like the first time I ever saw the virtual safety car in GP two in twenty sixteen, basically uh, Ericsson will win because everyone else has done their pit stops. He'll wait until the last moment, he'll get a free pit stop and stay ahead of everyone because it's Monaco. And note on Sauber. Yeah. Are they, uh, they, they are another Ferrari team, aren't they? Alfa Romeo. Yeah, right, they're another Ferrari team. Formula done very well in 2018, having two new manufacturers come in and also not come in at the same time. Alfa Romeo and Aston Martin. They've rebadged it, Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they, but there's Alfa Romeo and Aston Martin, they're, just, they're committed, but they're sort of toe in the water, can't be half-assed commitment. So well done, guys. But please do come in and uh, sponsor us if you've got the money, since you're not sponsoring the team. But still... Uh, yes, what we found out with the podcast before, uh, good race, it was a great atmosphere to have all for fellow Formula 1 fans around. It was a bad race, it's more fun to have a chat about Formula 1 with Formula 1 people and just moan about how bad the race was. Either way, it improved the experience to come to a pub in Birmingham and uh, celebrate or commiserate. I like how you say a pub because the pub has not been technically no. fully decided no. and it might be a touring thing. It might well be. We might be touring pubs. It might. That's, that's clever. I should have thought of that. British pubs, touring... No, it's BTPC. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That sounds yeah. weird. It sounds like a petrol station. Anyway, um, the pub hasn't been decided. My view is going to be like, a, I'm going to release this to the world now, and every pub in Birmingham is going to bid for us and say, come to this pub in the call. Come to the... No, no, we're better. We'll offer this. No, no. We'll offer Wi-Fi. No, no, no. We'll offer putting the actual race on a screen. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, let's do that. Um, so that's what I... In my head, I imagine that's what will happen. In reality, yes, let's ask the drivers. The best way to end a podcast is to ask the drivers. So uh, should we keep going? What the point on keep going? Okay, let's ask Fernando. Fernando, should we keep talking? You definitely need to stop talking. Fernando's decided we must stop talking. So it's been a great first re-intro cast. I hope you somehow still want to come and join us. Those in the old days, please do rejoin us. Those who have never been here before, just come, come back. Be awesome. Just come and let's enjoy Monaco in a pub together. And maybe the Indy 500 if they're really nice and want to keep it on. If, if anything... 
just do it to annoy the football fans because yeah. they gather on mass yeah. in their funny shirts. They get they, one thing about football that Formula fans don't get is every two weeks a communal atmosphere. You go to a football match, at least you've got people on the same side as you having fun at the same time or commiserating at the same time, whatever the result. So, yeah, let's just do that. Why can't we not have let's that? Let's stick it in the eye of the football fans. Yeah. That's, that's why I'm selling this on. Forget the World Cup. <laughs> F1 is here and it's half decent for a, quite a bit of it. Yes. So, come. So, that's what we want. A communal atmosphere. We want our own little Birmingham Formula 1 community. Please join us at a pub but that will be announced on the Formula Podcast Twitter, so give it a follow. And uh, thanks for listening. Uh, Andrew Miller has been joining me. He gives me the thumbs up. Uh, he's, he's going to box, box, box now. And uh, the checker flag is waving. No, none of this is working. No, none of that is working. Okay, Maybe leave it in, but yeah. I, I think we should point out this is yeah. not working. I won't do that. I won't do that, OK. So, uh, red flag? No, never mind. I'll, I'll abandon that now. It's not working. But thanks for listening. And uh, Double waved yellows, Paul. Yes, yes. Goodbye. Bye.